0: frustrated with toxic people they can't see how much they hurt me i just want this chaos to cease. here's your host dr shayla my source for how to live a life of peace find peace in the midst of toxic negativity welcome to the toxic people detox a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people it's not about changing them. It's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 38, three early warning signs of a narcissist. Now, before I launch into this episode, I just want to give you all a heads up. And this is episode 38. I'm going to do episode 39 and 40, and then I'm going to take an extended break between now, which is July the 10th, 2018 and early fall, somewhere around September, probably around Labor Day. Because what I've been doing since the beginning of the year is I've been creating this thing. uh, It's kind of like a mobile classroom type of thing. And it would require me to separate from my current job. Now I wanted to have this done by the end of the summer, which is coming up very quick, but that's not going to happen. So I'm going to spend the rest of the... summer and early fall focusing on this thing and it's not just creating this mobile classroom but i'm also reaching out to sponsors corporate sponsors that's pretty much what i've been focusing my time on because i i don't want to split my attention in too many different directions so after episode 40 that will be the end of season one and then i'll come back sometime in september for the beginning of season two all right so that being said let's talk about this person called a narcissist. Now, in school, you might have heard this Greek guy called Narcissus who liked to gaze at his reflection. And then he stared at his reflection so long he just wasted away. When we say narcissists, the best way I can describe them is they are emotional parasites, or you can call them emotional leeches. They are basically a pool of misery. I had a swim coach back in the day, and he would say, if there's one thing that's worse than someone drowning, it's two people drowning because one person tried to swim out to save the other person and the other person dragged them under. And then they both drown. Now it's, it's not like that other person intended that for that to happen, but with a narcissist, that's not the case They If they're drowning, they want to take you down with them. They want you broken. They want you dependent. And God have mercy on your soul. If there's a narcissist in your life and you have the audacity to feel better than they do, they will try to bring you down to their level. All right. So that's pretty much that in a nutshell. I'm grossly oversimplifying this, but as you all know, I like to get to the point. I mean, you have narcissistic parents, narcissistic kids, narcissistic spouses, narcissistic uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. I'm specifically talking about people that you're meeting for the first time, or you're in the early stages of a relationship. This doesn't have to be romantic. It can be platonic. Now, if you're want to know more about dealing with a narcissist that you've known for a while, you know, like a family member, that's a different episode that I could talk about later. But for now, specifically it's about if you're meeting someone for the first time, whether it's a potential lover or a potential friend or a coworker, how do you recognize the signs? Now I distilled it down to three things. This isn't an all-inclusive list. There are a lot more things out there, but I just want to paint with the broad brush. Number 1 is what I call too much too soon. Specifically if this is a romantic type of relationship, it's like things are moving at a breakneck speed. There are exceptions to this. You know, there are people who who just hit it off So I'm not talking about that situation. I'm talking about a situation where a a narcissist is trying to move things way too fast. So what's going on there? Well, like I said, they're emotional leeches. And what they're going to do, they do this thing called mirroring. And that is whatever you like, they like. You like Spider-Man, they like Spider-Man. You like vegan food, they like vegan food, whatever it is. It's like there's almost never any point where you disagree on things. And what are they doing? They're trying to move things along. Now, again, if this is, if it's specifically a romantic relationship, there's this phrase I keep hearing, it's called love bombing. And that is this person just showers you with all type of, with love and accolades that you're there all in all. Some people do hit it off like that, but With these people, they're trying to keep you from thinking. They've got to get you involved emotionally as soon as possible because then that's when they can start leeching off of you. And when you're in that emotional state, it's hard to really think. It's hard to really be objective about what's going on. And that's what they want because they're like chameleons. Here's one thing. If you don't learn anything else about this podcast, remember this. It's easy to put up a front, but it takes effort to maintain it. They're very good at putting up fronts if that's what they're trying to do. But in the long run, they can't maintain that and the mask will come off. That's number one, too much, too soon. Now I'm talking, and I spoke about a romantic relationship. What about platonics? Well, it's the same thing. They may not be talking about, oh, you know, the love is in the stars or whatnot. Another thing that a potential romantic partner might do is, um, they'll paint this picture of a future that will never happen. You know, you see that house over there? That looks like the, the type of house that you and I could live in. And maybe that, that, that wallpaper, that, that color, that color. Yeah, we would, we could paint our bedroom that color. You see what I mean? They're painting a future and it's like, you get caught up in that because it's powerful, but let's just say this isn't a romantic relationship. This is more like a friendship. Well, this person might move things along, maybe not in the romantic sense, But it's like it's like you've been friends forever. What they're doing is they're trying to get you to open up and trust them so they can leech off of you. Again, like I said, doesn't have to be a romantic partner. And even in a work environment, you might have someone that seems overly friendly or have someone that seems overly helpful because they want you to depend on them. Not because they actually want to help you out. Now, just because someone's helpful, that's not, that doesn't make them a narcissist. Some of these behaviors aren't narcissistic in and of themselves. It's the intention to get you to that place where you are dependent. That's the point, all right? So number one, too fast, too soon. Second thing to be wary of, and this is something that I call anything you say can and will be used against you. I've known narcissists to go in either direction, in one direction or another one that will talk your ear off. And I'm not just talking about a win a windbag. I'm talking about this person will not let you get a word in. I mean, if, if you say, you know, I'm going to wait for this person to take a breath so I can jump back in this conversation, but the conversation is about them. You know, that joke where people say enough about me, let's talk more about me. Yeah. It's, it's these people, I guess you would call them the overt narcissist, but there are those who are actually very good listeners. They don't talk a lot about themselves. And if they do, it's probably not true. I had an acquaintance who came up to me and said, you know, Shayla, I'm dating this guy and both his parents are dead. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, fast forward about a month or two later, she comes back to me and says, you know, he was lying about that. His parents are alive and well. Now to this day, I still don't know how she found that. I never did ask, but she said, if he's willing to throw his parents under the bus like that. Imagine what he's going to do to me. And she cut it off. And I said, you know what? I want to give you a hug right now <laughs> because some people don't catch on that quickly. So they'll tell you things and it might not be true. So what you have to do is listen for the contradictions. But the other extreme, like I said, they listen. They don't say a lot. Like I said, in a few things they do say, it's not true. But what are they listening for? They're getting you to trust them. I said, oh, you're such a great listener. And so what you start doing, you start revealing some things that you normally wouldn't tell anybody. And so what they're doing, they're, they're cataloging this. They're taking this information because you know what they're going to do? At some point, they're going to turn around and use that against you. I'll give you an example. A couple of episodes ago, I was talking about how to deal with a smear campaign when someone at work is trying to drag your name through the mud. And I was responding to a listener question. And this person was asking me, how did I deal with something like that? And one story I gave was I was at a meeting and I said, I normally don't cry in front of people. It's, if you ever hear a story that, oh, Dr. Shayla's on the floor of the bathroom crying her eyes out, that's a lie because I would never do that. I would go in my car and try to find some privacy. But I was at this meeting. And it took every ounce of willpower not to cry. And I think if that meeting had gone on another 10 minutes, I probably would have. But what happened? It's because it was, I had told this person a lot of things in confidence and those, those same things were being thrown back at me. Like, how dare you tell, how dare you expose that about me when I told you this in confidence around all these other people who are actually my colleagues this wasn't some, some random meeting that this, this had to do with my career and I just felt betrayed. And what makes the situation so insidious is that it was done for quote unquote, my good. Well, Shayla, we, we, everybody needs to know what you're going through because, you know, if you're, you're keeping this stuff to, from, from us, we can't help you. And that's what they do. So let's say if I'm a narcissist, and you're telling me something. Let's just say uh, you have uh, a problem with uh, cocaine. Let's just say that. It's like, Shayla, I, I, I just have uh, this cocaine addiction. And I'm listening to you now. And I'm listening saying, like, oh, that, that's terrible. But then around your friends, around your peers, I will throw that back at you. Uh, people who probably don't know this information. Oh, how's that cocaine addiction of yours coming? And then you look at me like I betrayed you because that's exactly what I did. You told me that in confidence. And then I'll turn around and I'll probably say, oh, well, don't get mad. I just, everybody, I just couldn't keep it to myself. Everybody has to know so we can help you. And and it's so deplorable how that works. So when you're meeting someone, I would be cautious. And I I did this to someone. I, I told them a story that I didn't really care. I mean, I didn't really want other people to know about, but at the same time, once it got out, it was like, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I'll never show my face in public again. And this person told the story. So I realized, up ah, right there, that's it. I will never tell you anything else. Here we are eight years later and I still haven't told this person anything personal. That's what you have to watch out for. When you tell them something in confidence and they throw it out and they do it in such a way that it seems like that they're doing you a favor, that's a problem. And if you try to bring these things up, they might do something called gaslighting. They'll probably deny it. They'll play dumb. And for, for those of you who don't know, gaslighting is just, let's just say you and I are having a conversation. Let's go back to that cocaine example. It's like, okay, now why did you tell them that, you know, why did you tell them something I told you in confidence? And then I would say, what do you mean? You didn't tell me not to tell anybody. And you might say, well, yes, I did. Now I'll deny it. And then what I'm doing is I'm getting you to doubt what you told me. I'm getting you to doubt yourself. If you're talking to someone and you're constantly wondering, wait, did I say that? I'm not sure I said that. Wait a minute. If you're starting to backtrack like that, that's a sign you're being gaslit. And another thing they might do is project. You ever watch that movie, Pee Wee's Big (laughs) Adventure? I love that movie, I swear. It never gets old after all these years. And right at the beginning, he's like, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Let me change that phrase. I know you are, but so am I. Okay, that's what a narcissist is. It's like, if I'm a liar, if you call me out on it, I'll probably turn it back on you. Of, no, you're the liar. You are the liar. You're the one who's lying to me. If people are constantly accusing you of something that you're innocent of, that's probably mean that they did it themselves. Like if I'm accusing you, you're cheating, you're cheating. That pro- And you're not, that probably means I am. And if I say you're stealing from you, you're stealing, that probably means that's what I'm doing. Okay, you understand? Whatever people th- are throwing at you, if you are innocent, then... What they're saying is that's what they're doing to you now. So number one was they move things way too fast or they seem too helpful because they want to gain your trust. They want to gain your confidence. They want to get your sympathy because they want, they don't want you to think really. Number two, whatever you say to them, they're going to turn it right back around. It's like weapons. The more you talk, the more armor and more weaponry that you give them. The third one is they will constantly test your boundaries. If you're in the beginning stages, again, whether it's a love relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a work relationship, if someone is testing your boundaries, the only reason that they're doing that is because they want to see how much they can get away with because they plan on doing some damage. And before they go all out, like I said, that mask can't stay on forever. So if the mask comes off, they need to know how far they can get with you (laughs) before you'll stand your ground. When I was in graduate school, I met a girl and it looked like, you know what, I think we can really be friends because I was away from home. I was kind of lonely. So, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of vulnerable anyway. And so I made it a point of saying, okay, I don't call me like at five o'clock in the morning, you know, because usually I'm not up at that time. And then guess what? The phone rings at what time? Five o'clock in the morning. I look at the phone. I could have just pushed ignore, but I answered it anyway. And then she said, I know you told me not to call you, but I said, stop right there. Stop right there. If you, if you knew that, why did you call? And I actually hung up the phone. Now, from that point on, I never got a phone call at five o'clock in the morning. Again, test. And that wasn't the only time it was constant testing. Like if I said something, if you say something specifically, don't do this, don't do that. They will do the opposite because they want to see what you're going to say. And if you fail the test guess what? If you try to stand your ground sometime in the future, they're going to say, but you did it before you, you, I mean, they won't word it that way, but that's what they're really saying. Well, you broke down before. Why, you know, why are you standing your ground now? They are looking for that kink in the armor. And once they find it, they will hammer that point. Because like I said, they're trying to break you down and they've got to find the weak spots. Alrighty then. So now that I've told you the three things too much, too soon, using your words against you. And then, you know, if you call them out, they'll gaslight you or they'll do this projection thing, or they'll just flat out lie. And number three, testing your boundaries. How do you deal with that? Well, best case scenarios is just to cut ties, but sometimes that's not always an option, especially if you're at work, unless you just decide to quit. But if you need the job, you need the money and, and you kind of can't avoid this person. How do you deal with them? This is a tough one. Because it requires some patience, but don't react. Don't give them that supply. And I've kind of I've mentioned these things already, but be careful what you say to them. I noticed when I was dealing with the narcissist at work, even little things can be used against me. All I said was, I don't know about going after this grant. But later that person said, well, Shayla said she doesn't want to go after the grant because it's a hassle. I'm like, I didn't say that. That doesn't even sound like anything I'd say. If you have to be around this person, if you have to deal with this person, like at on the job, and uh, rather than quit, you kind of have to work with this person, then be on your guard. What, if you spot these things, that, that's not definitively makes them a narcissist, not necessarily, but these are common traits. And if they exhibit those traits, what you're looking for is consistency. Was that a one-time thing? Because we're humans. We all screw up from time to time, right? So I don't want to, you know, don't hold people's face to the fire just because they told one lie or they made one contradiction, but is this something that happens again and again and again? Now, when it comes to telling your personal secrets, you only have one time to do that to me. If you tell me something and then I spill the beans, probably you might not need to tell me anything from that point on, right? So be on your guard. If you can get them out of your life, so be it. But if you have to deal with them, remember, wrap your mind around the fact that these people do not have good intentions. They don't want the best for you. And if that's the case, that can help you to deal with them. And I'll finish with this. When you do deal with the narcissist and they're gaslighting you or they're projecting, what they're doing is they're getting you to get upset about a problem that doesn't even exist. They're creating the problem. And that is, They're creating a problem in your mind. Don't try to solve a problem that doesn't exist. That's what a narcissist does. They, they They will create issues, they will create drama, and it's up to you to try to solve it for them. Because, again, they want that emotional supply. I heard it called narc supply. Whatever emotions, especially negative emotions, especially if they're the ones that cause the negative emotions, that's what they want to draw from. Don't give it to them. If I'm dealing with the person and this person's gaslighting me I said, wait a minute, this is a problem, but it's not mine to solve. Leave it alone. Let them deal with themselves. Trust me, you've got enough problems on your own, right? So I hope this was helpful. Again, there, there's so many more types of traits of narcissists, but this specifically is how to spot signs when you're meeting people for the first time, or you're dealing with people because once they got that supply, once they latch onto you, they're like ticks. It's hard to get them off. So until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the ToxicPeopleDetox.com. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.